1: To change
2: the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government.
1: The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It is Prejudices
2: Your host Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us here at The Secret Teachings, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, and check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info where you'll find Our full show archive, our montage archive, my books, top news stories, and more, all at thesecretteachings.info, that new archive, powered by Captivate. It is a one-stop place to find all of your favorite and maybe some of the shows that you don't like, but all the episodes of The Secret Teachings there on the website at thesecretteachings.info. When you support the show, it also supports... The Fringe FM, and it supports what I like to think is a more open, free form of thought than a lot of what we consider to be the occult, the esoteric, the paranormal, etc., including independent political talk shows of whatever it is that these communities are or represent. And here on The Secret Teachings, if you've never listened to the broadcast before, We combine a number of different topics together, and we'll jump from cryptid creatures one night to health the next night, and then we'll have interviews with authors and researchers and scientists and doctors, and then we'll jump back to talking about Mothman and other cryptid creatures and jump around to parapolitics and parapsychology, even what I call religio Para politics. We'll talk about all of that and more, and we do that without really picking a side. I'm not interested in defending a political or religious point of view. I'm not an atheist, not an anarchist. I'm not even really interested in defending magic or occultism per se, but it irritates me when I hear people tell me on radio, especially and some of you heard this last week, a roundtable discussion I had with Charlie Robinson, Jay Dyer, and a number of others, I didn't even know who was going to be on the show, and it turns out a lot of Christians were on the show, this big roundtable, Union of the Unwanted on YouTube is what it was called, and uh, they told me that all pagans perform blood sacrifices, and I thought, well, that's that's interesting. I know I know some people that consider themselves pagan, they don't perform blood sacrifice but you probably drink wine in church and think that it's the blood of Jesus so that's bizarre and uh, another person told me Manly Palmer Hall was a pedophile and of course I can't get any evidence or proof of that uh, but because he wasn't a Christian and that's not of course to demean Christianity uh, it was funny on that show a lot of the Christian people actually agreed with the foundational basis of what magic and occultism are really about. They just said you should stay away from it if it's not called Christian. Well, okay, that's your point of view. That's your viewpoint and perception. I can respect that. I just don't like when people take things that are more balanced in terms of an approach without a label or an identity, and they try to demean it because it doesn't fit into their paradigm. Uh, At least in terms of projecting it on other people and trying to convince other people that that viewpoint, which is a viewpoint that has no or little identity, is somehow wrong because it doesn't have uh, a solid identity. Of course, every point of view is an identity. It is a belief. And these are more like philosophical, psychological things that we can discuss. But we're going to talk about a number of different things relating to mysticism tonight. Faith, I talked about that on a recent show. Belief, I just mentioned it and talked about belief on a recent show. And even the subject of prayer, which a friend of mine, my co-host Jack from the Messenger of Information website, messengerof.info, he called me and he was talking about prayer and he said that, and Jack has a very uh, unique viewpoint on Christianity and other religions he just he can't get into religion, and I respect that about Jack because I'm not really in religion per se, but Jack was telling me about prayer, and I said, well, I think if people's perception of what that prayer is doing is harmless and is directed toward the inner self in, in a sense, then I think that prayer is a good thing. So we'll talk about that tonight, ceremony, metaphysics, and other things. And to do that, I... Uh, I've kind of welcomed, but we've also talked about it, and we, he's uh, agreed to come back on the show. The author of Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. And Anthony Tyler, the author of that book, which you can find on Amazon, and you can also visit his website, Mind. Dot net. That's D-I-V-E, mind, M-I-N-D, dot net. Find him also, I believe, on Facebook. I believe he's public on Facebook. Anthony Tyler, welcome back to The Secret Teachings, my friend. How are you?
4: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me back on. It's uh, Last time was a real pleasure, and I'm sure this time we'll uh, go over similarly.
2: Yeah, well, the first time I have someone on the show, I like to really give them a platform to experience what they feel and what their work might be about in your case you have a book but you also have a lot of other things that are on your mind you're, I know you're working on another manuscript um, mm-hmm. for, for people who don't know you give us a very brief background on the dive manual who you are and then we can explore some of these other things that we didn't get to talk about last time
4: sure yeah absolutely so um, i've I've been writing for quite a while um, I you know I had a a small horror paperback published in high school, and um, I kind of helped set up. Uh, I was one of the the uh, the the upstarters, so to speak. Definitely not the creator, but um, uh, I came on and helped develop uh, one of the developers of uh, the Last American Vagabond um, and it's a nonpartisan news website. Uh, they're still really active today, um, and but I stepped away from the kind of journalism type stuff uh, and conspiracy related stuff to, uh, uh, you know, pursue some of my other interests that I've always had, which honestly ran a lot stronger and uh, the roots go pretty much as far as I can remember, just interests in uh, esotericism and, uh, you know, 14 unexplainable phenomena. And um, because of some pitfalls I had in my life, everyone's got some of them, um, I kind of hit uh, I came to a crossroads um, earlier on than a lot of people would come to, where I just kind of um, I had to 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 not mince words. Like from a Jungian perspective, I had to engage with the shadow quite a bit, and uh, and you know, to work with some serious mental alchemy. And, um, and you know, nobody's perfect, but I I took steps to uh, change my life in certain ways, in certain practical, empirical ways, and um, in the long run, you know, I, I wrote a book about it since I've always been a writer. Uh, it was kind of the natural step forward, um, uh, in terms of artistic medium and uh, we have dive manual and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Um, I've always been interested in this stuff and, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we opened up a whole cornucopia of things with our last conversation. And I thought, uh, in terms of, Ah, uh, like topic coverage. It went over really well, and now we can get into some more meat of the data.
2: Yeah, I know that your book, uh, although I think a lot of occultism, esotericism, mysticism is psychological, your book is very direct in how it approaches those psychological components of those subjects. Uh, what 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 is exactly about the psychological element that interests you? Is that just where you, uh, found your path into those topics? Or was that something that you just by happenstance picked up and started reading those kinds of books? Because I came into occultism and, and whatnot through symbols, just raw symbols. You seem to have taken a different approach, but we've come to the same place.
4: Yeah, certainly. And yeah, I guess you could say that that was, that was kind of the stuff I initially gravitated towards. But even when I uh, was interested in like more specifically esoteric kind of things, uh, occultism and whatnot. Um, i I always just you know, I, I always had this kind of a chaos magical perspective of um I can see that there are results that people get out of certain beliefs, um even if we can't always quantify them uh, like you know the, the what's in between the a to b process. Um, but each different belief, uh, as I, we, we kind of talked about in the last episode, uh, the conversation we had, um, different belief systems kind of in, in, to, especially in today's society and culture represent, uh, different, um, uh, like tools in a sort of toolkit and, uh, different belief systems, uh, will, will suit different, um, cultures and, uh, in individual uh, like evolutionary pressures and drives and things, and so I've always been interested in yes, uh, certainly the the, the practices um, like and again um, I mentioned uh, tradition versus dogma in our last conversation, and that's a big point to touch on uh, because if you if you step outside the dogma but uh, take into account and appreciate uh, the tradition of things, you see that. Uh, pervasive all throughout comparative religion there's always this common denominator of what people are getting out of their beliefs and that's more so uh, what I've always been fascinated in is it's real easy to get lost in the comparisons of of all these things since kind of by the nature of the subject like it's the subject is uh, endless comparisons in a way and so looking for some sort of you know, it's it's the mathematical term of, uh, the common denominator, so to speak with symbolism. I found, and still do, I find, uh, psychology to be the, the most empirical common denominator that we can find between it all. Do you take a
2: more direct applicable approach? Like do you practice magic in a ceremonial way or are you more scholarly about it?
4: Um, I, so I practice, um, Uh, ceremony and ritual a bit and my approach with that is to start out with um is a lot like my approach with psychedelics where i don't have any sort of you know i know some people who will take a psychedelic like you know once every three months or once every two months or something and it's kind of like it's a a semi-ritual um and i just i'll just do it sparingly uh rarely but whenever I need to get some sort of outside uh, I need to get outside of myself into that what I call the you know the transpersonal mind state uh, for some for some greater insight and perspective um, because sometimes in life, to be perfectly honest there are there are things that no one will be able to help you with, even if people want to be able to help you with them and and i I very much believe that um, if you do try to you can get bogged down really easily just trying to, you know, through trial and error, just trying a bunch of, um, a, a different advice from well-meaning people. I've seen it happen, um, a lot. And in the past, you know, I've, I've gone through that trial and error process and really you, you have to, you have to dig deep in yourself. It, it sounds like a cliche, but it's, it's a cliche for a reason. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's whenever you need it, you know, I don't look at the, uh, these things as like, I, I don't really have never really, uh, for that matter, uh, used or engaged with like love spells or money spells or any of these things. I have a very grassroots mysticism based perspective. Um, you know, mysticism from the scholast, uh, excuse me, the scholastic definition being, you know, that which allows you to get into a mind state that has some sort of uh, more direct communication or relationship with divinity. Would you um, and- Would
2: you also, we've got about 60 seconds till the, the music for break here, but would you call that uh, a holy guardian angel? A lot of people will say that that's the point of magic. Can you describe quickly uh, what exactly it is that you try to achieve with magic? Is it that holy guardian angel? Is that divinity? How do you describe it?
4: Mm, yeah, so I, I don't have a total aversion to Crowley, but um, uh, that h- tends to have a lot of Crowley connotation. And in the long run, I break it down to the three It's kind of like a Holy Trinity type thing. It's the the mother, the father, and the logos, the, the logos being, you know, the, the, the Hermes or the Christ or the Buddha archetype. Um, and we can get into that uh, plenty more after the break.
2: Yeah, let's do sure. that. Anthony Tyler, our guest this evening. Anthony, what's the website? Mm, uh, Divemind.net Divemind.net and your book is on Amazon, Dive Manual Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, the other show we did with Anthony is in the archive at thesecretteachings.info that's www.thesecretteachings.info you can also find my books there grab a copy today Uh, I'd suggest Occult Arcana for tonight's discussion, it supports the secret teachings, it supports the network The Fringe FM And I think it will support you as well. You go out and grab my book and Anthony's book after listening to the show tonight. More with Anthony Tyler after this right here on The Secret Teachings, broadcasting around the world on The Fringe FM. This is KTLK
0: Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
2: The Ides of March is the notorious midpoint of that month associated with the death of Julius Caesar and the settling of debts in ancient Rome. Otherwise it's a joyous gateway into the spring. To celebrate the coming equinox, The Secret Teachings is offering a one-year subscription to our show archive, montage archive, all of my digital books, and a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping in the US, all for only $50. If you prefer a monthly subscription only to the archives and digital books, it's also available. Either donate $50 one time for the year or establish reoccurring payments through PayPal on our website at thesecretteachings.info or through the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com. This offer can be used to extend a current subscription and is good around the world. Your support truly keeps us on air five nights a week supporting both The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM.
1: Do you want to know more about UAPs, the paranormal, conspiracy analysis, current events, and other topics that interest you? I'm Jess Rogie, host of The Rogie Report. Explore the unrevealed every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, live here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there,
0: and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
1: Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable.
2: It's March, the month of the spring equinox, Ostara, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
1: This is David Icke, and you are listening to The
0: Secret Teachings with
1: Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted. With the real hard truth.
0: This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM.
2: From parapsychology to pop conspiracy, and from parapolitics to health and esoterica, I'm Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, and I'll bring you all of this and more five nights a week right here on The Fringe FM by using critical thinking and objectivity as keys to understanding, utilizing, and appreciating the secret teachings of all ages. You can catch The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM after Joe Roop and Lighting the Void. This is Grammy-nominated recording artist Johnny Cobb. You're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Your host, and you are listening to the secret teachings on the Fringe FM Monday through Friday, five nights a week. Check out the Fringe.FM or Fringe.FM, that will get you to the same place. You can download the Fringe FM app as well. I just finally got a new phone and downloaded the app for the first time. I've had an old phone for a very, very long time and got the application. You can listen to the network with that application and do a lot more. It's free to download. Check it out today in the App Store for your Google or Apple device. Tonight, Anthony Tyler joins us on the broadcast. In the last segment, we were talking with him about his view on magic and the purpose of magic. I believe that magic is like each and every individual symbol. It can be interpreted in countless ways. And although one symbol might have a very negative or some might say dark association, In its inverted state, it might also have a very light and positive and powerful association. And in fact, most symbols, whether it's the pentagram or the swastika or even the cross for that matter, have positive and negative, depending on your perception, associations. I mean, even the upside down cross is not always considered satanic. And when you take symbols like the pentagram, it's seen as a symbol of protection. Some associate that protection with black magic and using it to prevent yourself from becoming possessed or being attacked by demons. But that's not what the pentagram has traditionally been used for, at least in the magical texts that I've read and the books on symbolism I've read. But Anthony Tyler is with us, and he was talking about his view on magic. Some people say that magic is really about contacting your Holy Guardian Angel that has a Crowley-esque component to it. I'm not a fan of Crowley. I know Anthony, you're not really a fan of Crowley either. But if
4: you'd like, just pick up where you were leaving off sure, at obs- the end of the last uh, break. Absolutely. And uh very, very quickly, uh, I do have to give a shout out to an internet friend of mine, uh, internet named Mr. Britches. Uh I he found out that I was coming on the show and he is apparently a longtime fan so and he was very excited to see me come on so what's up mr britches um and in terms of magic now see you know so i i mentioned i kind of it it's essentially like a union uh holy trinity without trying to come across pretentious here because it's just it's the it, the way i see it is it's the bare bones of uh, like these are the common denominators if we're if we're looking for such a thing in comparative religion because it go, it branches out and different religious or mystical doctrines or ideas uh, facilitate uh, different things in many ways but they're always um, they're always stimulating and triggering or coming from. Uh, the same aspects of the mind because uh, and even uh, biological places because we're all human in the long run. And um, um, the, the, that is, those are, especially when you look at, uh, because the mother and the father um, it gets into really the trees of life and death and the whole positive, negative, yin-yang, um, getting into like, the the physics part of the metaphysics of it all, and uh, it's it's not so much to do with uh you, you know the I mean these are all humanizations of very esoteric forces of nature so to speak that and and there's a crossroads uh, a, a, a threshold a touchstone where these things coalesce with the human experience but certainly exist outside of it and um, I think that so. There's the mother and the father, the positive and the negative, the tree of life and the tree of death, and then there is your intersection with it, which is uh, what, um, what what many people call the logos. Uh, uh, Jung also called it the logos in many um, oftentimes, but the the more uh, like boilerplate uh, Jungian psychological term for that would be the the persona, and then the fourth of that of the the Jungian template. It would be the shadow. Um, and that's where with the shadow, um, there are definitely positive aspects to the shadow because it represents that which you do not know about yourself and existence at large. And the best representation of that would be like Virgil in, in Dante's Divine Comedy, um, something that is not exactly of heaven, not exactly divine, but it is something that's not malevolent at all and, and and then the worst case scenario the shadow getting into the outer limits of demonology and then there's that gray area of uh Fortian phenomena um so that's kind of where it starts and um in terms of the practical applications of these things um you know you talked about the symbolism and these things like i don't you know i find um a bit of comfort in the pentagram um as much as me my, uh, my yeah, Orthodox too. Christian mother would hate to hear me say that. Um, I went and stayed with her for a while, uh, some years ago and she threw out my tarot cards. Um, <laughs>
2: she threw out your tarot. Ca- my, my mom, uh, shredded my Harry Potter book when I was a kid.
4: Oh man. Yeah. That sounds like my mom too. Yeah. Um, would, I, I, and I, uh, I get along with it just fine and all, but yeah, my mom's, um, my mom's calmed down on that too. That's good. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the, the, before Satanism and all these things before the, the I mean, it, it was really just Christians condemning everything that wasn't Christian. And I, it essentially just, you know, it was very hermetic. It represents the, the four elements in ether, as I'm sure you're well aware. And uh,
2: well, isn't um, it, the pentagram to me is also kind of like the onk. And it represents the four corners of the world. And the fifth point is consciousness rising out of material. It's kind of like Osiris in Egypt. Right. He's wrapped absolutely. in wrapped in linen. So it's basically Jesus crucified on the cross.
4: Right. Ah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh very good point. Um I know that you, I know that was heresy. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people some people are just crawling in their seats right now. Come on, man. come on guys. Uh, uh, it's all about the tradition, not the, not the dogma. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we mentioned Crowley a little bit, Crowley Crowley. It's all the same either, or tomato, tomato. Um, and you know, as, so I, I give the, I give credit where it's due. And in terms of, uh, some technical details and the Crowley as the, the scholar, uh, and, you know, just doing research into comparative religion, et cetera, um, did bring up some good points. Uh, do without wilt is obviously problematic, but that aside, um, but then there's Crowley as the person and like what he actually did. And, uh, I think that too many people in the esoteric community just kind of have that, like, I don't know, it's almost like a good old boy. He's like, I, it's just boys. That's how boys were back in the day, you know, it's just, that was just Crowley being Crowley. Like he wasn't all bad, but you can't really, that stuff was, uh, yeah, extremely inexcusable. you can't um, can't say he was
2: all good or all bad, but people have really romanticized Crowley and I, I don't like that.
4: I would agree. Um, but so, um, and you know, so that being said, that there is some good uh, to be had there. Um, I don't completely discourage people from looking into some of uh, Crowley's work. but there's this idea that, like, and uh, one of the big magic cliches that that Crowley definitely helped uh, like embolden uh, to a really like legendary degree is, you know, I, I don't know if you heard this before, but the trope that you kind of ha- need to have money uh, in order to be a full-time magician because it it doesn't pay and um it's uh it's you know esotericism by its nature like not even crowley made money off of it the most legendary people it's not a money game um if at its most you're looking for uh like in crowley's uh case you're looking for like fame and infamy and and uh, a legendary status out of it um and I mean, he got money out of it by mooching off of followers and things. But
2: well, you know, uh, if I may, I've actually I didn't know that that kind of started with Crowley. That idea is that where that idea came from—that to be, you know, basically a magician, or if you are a magician, you have to have money, or you should have money if you're a magician. Did that really start with Crowley? Uh,
4: I I think that that it would. I think it's a very archetypal uh thing so I don't know if it really started with Crowley but in the modern mindset uh, I think that he's the one that like jump started that in the in the modern uh in the modern understanding.
2: Okay because I was on a show last week called Union of the Unwanted. I know I've talked about this a lot on the Secret Teachings a couple of days but I was on there with like I don't know I th- I thought there were supposed to be a dozen other people. We had Charlie Robinson, Jay Dyer and some others. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't really know fully what the conversation was about. I was just kind of hanging out and it, it turned very like militant Christian all of a sudden. And that really surprised me. And in that conversation, this one person who was a very, I guess a very strong Christian, although he goes by the name of Jesus. So I think that's kind of blasphemous, but he mm-hmm. was, he was saying that, you know, if you Ryan, if me, if if you were a magician or he was talking to Joe Roop, another mutual friend of ours and, Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, if you guys are magicians, you know, why don't you have a lot of money? And I said, Well, that's to me, that's not what magic is. Magic isn't about making money and, and all the, the mythos that I've read about alchemy, any successful alchemist only was able to produce gold figuratively, symbolically, when they no longer desired material things. It was about the achievement of a, a, a new state of mind, a rebirth. It didn't have anything to do with about money or materialism. And I found that interesting. In regards to what you said and in regards to what this person said, that they, they somehow believe or for some reason believe that magic has to do with wealth, which is the very, I think, the fundamental opposite or the opposite of, of, of what fundamental magic is really all about, which kind of tells me from what you said that the people that know magic in a very superficial way associate it with Crowley and that's one of the reasons I do what I do because I want to kind of show people that there's more to magic and occultism than what they see on the surface with Crowley and things in Hollywood. Does that make sense?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh great points made. And, um, you know, yeah, uh, it's unfortunately, um, some people do, uh, you know, it's, it's to give that guy, I, I would have felt quite uncomfortable in that conversation. Uh, things turning militant Christian. Um, um, not that I wouldn't have participated, but uh, that being said, uh, t- to that guy's point, you know, there are there are occultists and uh, and you know magicians out there that are just into uh, material gain um, because it kind of does fall in line. Um, that's one of the things. That's one of the big disservices that Crowley did was um, with the whole "do what thou wilt" thing. Is you know, it sounds for most people that's a pretty like romantic view of life. You know, just do what do what speaks to you. But of course, there's there's not enough moral or ethical rigor involved, and it can be taken to some very uh, it, it can be taken to any extreme essentially. And, uh, um, and so th- that's kind of why I like to use the term mysticism. And I guess the difference ultimately would be mysticism is this more organic process of you recognizing how the universe and the cosmos and God, whatever term you want to use, how it interacts with you and noticing the signs and kind of, it's a, a very like Taoist kind of perspective. And, uh, And then there's the whole occultism and, you know, ceremony and ritual, the classical magician where you're sitting down and, and working more with technical aspects like sigils and, and, uh, and candles and incense and incantations and different things. And I do a little bit of both. I feel like I, you know, because I will sit down in a, in a ritual space and engage with some poems and hymns, I'll light a candle and some incense and, um I'll speak with one of the three um either the mother, the father, or uh hermes the logos um and again these things ca- are uh in they are represented in any given uh spiritual or mystical metaphysical outlook the world over you will always find those three things so um
2: well you know you know anthony when i when I was on that show too someone did actually bring up the uh a book written by a guy named Richard Spence, and I've, I've interviewed him before about his book, Secret Agent 666, that Crowley was an intelligence asset, a British intelligence asset. And I was thinking, and then I want to move on to the subject of prayer in relation to what you're saying, but I was thinking that I think a lot of the reason that Crowley is so popular today is because whether it was British or American or other intelligence agencies, I think they used... Crowley and his followers and others like, like him to deter people like you and me and others that are kind of just common folk from investigating these practices, because at least I can tell you in my experience, and I assume that yours is similar, um, these types of things have bettered my life in a positive way uh, without any kind of traditional institutional form of mysticism or religion, etc. Not that those are bad. And I think that Crowley has been used, if not intentionally, originally, I think Crowley has been used since his death to create uh, a culture of depravity by degrading these beautiful concepts and and making what you just said about talking to the mother, the father, uh, the logos, seem like some crazy demonic thing when it's actually, as far as I'm concerned, very pure, and whether you do that or you go to church and pray – Prayer, as long as you have your will directionalized um, towards something that we could, for lack of a better word, call positive or good or progressive in terms of the soul and the spirit, there's nothing at all wrong with that. So what, what do you think about Crowley as an intel asset being used and his image being used to kind of corrupt the types of things that you, myself, and much of our audience likes to read and learn about?
4: Yeah, is a a fun topic, uh, because in some ways Crowley, his, his, his goal was to muddy the waters and mythologize himself so much, uh, that, uh, he, he, whether he did it intentionally all the time or not, he definitely leaned into these, uh, uh, states of ambiguity in his personal story, I guess you could say. And, um, I think that, you know, I'm sure that some people are really sold one way or the other. and I'm not sure if i mean there and and there likely could be some smoking gun out there but um as far as we know with the data that we have, there's I don't think there's any way to fully tell if um if he was like actual intel um or like an asset in his lifetime and i uh, i I know some people um would say that um that's one of the things that Crowley leaned into is he wanted people to think that, uh, you know, that boosted his uh, mythology, so to speak. Uh, but so regardless though, of what he, the relationship he had with, uh, with the government in his lifetime, I definitely think that the evidence shows that um, his legacy, good and bad has been used to mostly, uh, bad extents unfortunately like um, you know I'm I'm a pretty liberal generally speaking like libertarian kind of you know I, I'm really socially I don't I don't judge much at all you know like um, live and let live uh, but the whole It's interesting to note that the whole like hippie movement in the sixties, uh, after the CIA flooded the streets with acid and, and had these pseudo intellectuals like, you know, because, you know, Tim Leary was definitely some sort of asset. I wouldn't go so far as to call him a, a government agent, but he was certainly talking with people and, um, it all, it all seemed very much like, uh, and you know, the, the whole hippie movement in many ways seemed like a, um, uh, and en- an engagement with the government with, uh, from the government with the people to just kind of like drug out the, uh, the, the legitimate anti-war movement. And, um, like and f- all of that, all of that hippie mentality is really, um, all linked back to Crowley in very literal ways because people like, you know, Timothy Leary, were talking about Crowley a lot. Um, that's like so, the, like
2: the flower power movement. I've, I've always talked about that right. as being counterintelligence. I mean, people have written Dozens of books on that. Uh, uh, have you read Laurel Canyon?
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dave McGowan's a legend.
2: Yeah, fantastic, did, fantastic book. I'd recommend that too. Go ahead.
4: I uh, just a total side note. Did you ever get a chance to talk with McGowan? No, I did before not. Before he died. No, I you didn't, didn't either. He was he was like right before my time. I was reading his stuff and right as I started poking my head out publicly a little more, he passed away. So, rest in peace. He was one of the greats.
2: He, he absolutely was. What what was the uh, what's the time scale for your work on this t- on this type of subject matter? How long have you been doing this?
4: Um, I started dabbling. I started writing for the Last American Vagabond, so that really like a full-fledged got me into um esotericism and conspiracy and politics and all that. Um, that was like, uh, like 2014, 2015, somewhere like, uh, either or. So it's been, yeah, it's six, seven years or so that I've been, um, that I've been on the hustle. (laughs) So
2: so you've been, uh, you've been, you're going up, uh, against about a decade coming on a decade. I think I've, I mean, I've done radio for almost 11 years, but I've done professional radio, like five or six. So in terms of professionality, we're at about the same same number of years. What was your uh, first, we come up on the second break here in a second, what was your first conspiracy? Just to have a little fun fun with that for a second, what was your first conspiracy or something that
4: was conspiratorial? You know, for me, um, probably uh, a pretty standard uh, answer, but it was definitely nine eleven for me. And how I feel about that these days is, regardless of whether or not the government knew about it beforehand, uh, like it or, or orchestrated it. Um, I think that, uh, people definitely obviously knew about it and chose to capitalize on it with things like not only large insurance policies, but also, um, things like the Patriot Act. And, um, um, so I think that there was some shady stuff that went down there for sure. Uh, but I, I remember being like 16 and, uh, honestly smoking weed in a in a car with a friend and we we're talking about conspiracy theories and it just occurred to me I was like there's probably conspiracy theories about 9-11 right and, like, <laughs> and, and and my friend his eyes lit up and he was like of course you want me to tell you I could tell you it all and that was the one that really hooked me in and I was like all right I need to I need to bone up on some more conspiracy theories and the rest is history
2: well you know from an esoteric point of view When you look at the Twin Towers, I'm sure that you know this, I know that most of our listening audience knows this, you can look at the Twin Towers as strength and beauty or as science and the Baconian science and philosophy pillars. You can look at them as being the pillars of Solomon's temple and the destruction of the temple and the rebuilding of the temple. And that's how I've looked at the last couple of years when I've done a 9-11 show. I've looked at it from that esoteric point of view and I think that there would be very, very few people who would not agree with me, at least in, in concept, that the morning of September 11th, 2001, at least for Americans and a lot of other countries, when those towers came down by whatever means, when they were turned into dust, powder, whatever the case was, that destroyed the strength of America. That destroyed the beauty of America. And it's been a 20-plus-year downhill slide into what, is now going to be the great global reset. So I think that there's an esoteric angle there uh, as well, Anthony. We've got about thirty seconds. But if you have anything else to add on that, go ahead.
4: um, you know, I would agree. i I would think I would say that even if it's just archetypal, I think that um it's a very it's a, a significant and worthwhile uh, comparison to make.
2: Yeah, let's get into prayer and faith when we come back. I know you wanted to talk about that. Anthony Tyler, our guest this evening, DiveMind.net. That's DiveMind.net. The book, The Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. My book, Occult Arcana, is available on our website, his on Amazon. Uh, Also, my book, The Technological Elixir, where we talk a lot about The flower power movement and the music industry, that's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on The Fringe FM. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting. Somewhere between the normal and paranormal.
1: A collection of question marks. No
2: reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Right here on The Fringe FM.
3: All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info.
0: Hey, Fringe listeners, Dave Cruz here, reminding you that Beyond the Strange airs live Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on The Fringe FM. BTS is your one stop shop for the paranormal. The Bizarre, and most of all, The Strange. Join me and co-host Black Sky Paranormals, Russ Bailey, as we discuss topics such as aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, and much more. Also, we talk with profound guests, authors, researchers from all over the world, and we take your calls live on the air. Go to beyondthestrange.com and learn more about the show, guests, times, free registration for our newsletter, merch, and much more. Again, that's Beyond the Strange, Monday evenings, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. And as always, stay strange. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
2: The Ides of March is the notorious midpoint of that month associated with the death of Julius Caesar and the settling of debts in ancient Rome, otherwise it's a joyous gateway into the spring. To celebrate the coming equinox, The Secret Teachings is offering a one-year subscription to our show archive, montage archive, all of my digital books, and a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping in the US, all for only $50, if you prefer a monthly subscription only to the archives and digital books, it's also available. Either donate $50 one time for the year or establish reoccurring payments through PayPal on our website at thesecretteachings.info or through the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com. This offer can be used to extend a current subscription and is good around the world. Your support truly keeps us on air five nights a week supporting both The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM. Yoi there, it's Gigi from Shift Happens. Just stopping by to tell you to stop it, stop that, stop that thing that you're doing, and redirect all of your attention right directly back here to The Fringe FM.
1: This is Jess Rogie, host of The rogie Report, and you're listening to The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting.
0: Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Damn, I! Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhance and sound quality, edit out those awkward positives mix multiple clips and tracks, back volumes, deliver consistent sound, live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels and live to measure broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, no artwork, video and audio production, gotta do video, or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast to audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire.
1: The biggest thing is time. A lot of people that podcast don't have
4: time. Time is is like a really valuable currency next to cost. It's even more important than money. Why waste your time doing all this stuff? This is what we can do for you. Think about like the hours and the money you're gonna have to put into doing all this by yourself. Doesn't make sense. It's gonna take you months to launch.
1: If we did it for you, we
4: could do it tomorrow.
0: Visit the fringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today.
1: Everything is awesome! Everything is cool when you're part of a team.
2: It's March, the month of the spring equinox, Ostara, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
4: Thanks again. Um, This is very refreshing, and I look forward to talking with you more soon, Ryan. Hey, this is Anthony Tyler, author of Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, uh, website divemind.net, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable, my man.
1: Join me on a journey where getting lost
4: is the only true destination,
1: where happiness is an illusion, where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline.
2: are listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you all for tuning in this evening. You can catch The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday right here on the Fringe. Download the Fringe FM app free for your Google or Apple device. It is capital F-R-E-E. It is free. You can also access a lot of our archive free or non-subscribers, but if you are a subscriber, you get access to all the shows, you get access to the montages, and all of my digital books. We're also running an Ides of March special, or an Ostara special for Wiccans and Pagans, where you get a physical copy of one of my books when you subscribe as well. And every subscription not only supports you, I think it supports you, but it supports the Fringe FM, and it supports the secret teachings and allows us to do this show five nights a week. We're almost to the point where I'm going to be able to scale back my part-time job now and focus directly on the radio, just working there on the weekends. And that's all because of listeners like you subscribing to the show and you get something for it too. You get a book, you get digital books, a bunch of them, and you get access to the archive for a full year and you support something that is independent and free of the, Sometimes unfortunate, but at least free of the generalized labeling and, and, and conditioned uh, talk radio that you would get through things that are a little bit alternatively political or a little bit paranormal. We address all of that, and I try to do it in a very unique way. And sometimes we bring guests on to the show. Very, very rarely do I bring a guest on anymore because well, a lot of them won't come on the show or a lot of them... Uh, I've interviewed so many times. We'll bring him back on occasion. And uh, I've got the pleasure tonight of speaking with Anthony Tyler, who's been on the show one time, and we thought we should do another broadcast talking about his book, Dive Manual, but talking about his experiences in magical study, mystical esotericism, whatever you choose to call it. A lot of people use those words to mean and represent the same thing. And uh, before the break, Coming into the second hour, we had been discussing the potential intelligence connections of Aleister Crowley and the usage at the very least, as Anthony said, of Crowley's legendary status to manipulate and to obscure what exactly occultism and esotericism and mysticism are really all about. And Anthony had said that he does ceremonially, to some extent, practice magic. And he said that he can, uh, he, he often spends time, like, I think he said, light some incense, light some candles or something to that effect, and talk to the Holy Trinity. And I, I know that some people might see that as, well, that's definitely, that's barbaric and blasphemous. But then there are so many others who, we'll see Christians who pray and think that that's nonsense. And I think that Christians look at a lot of atheists who might not pray, let's just assume they don't, and think that's nonsense. Why don't you pray? And I think the issue here is that we can call prayer whatever it is that we want to call prayer. You can call it prayer, meditation, etc. But prayer is just a focusing of your will And I think it's a focusing of your intention and your attention. And whether you're focusing it on a certain smell or a certain color, people meditate on objects or symbols or a thought, I don't believe that it's harmful if it is geared towards something that is creative and that is is, is blossoming rather than something that is restrictive.
4: Yeah, that was uh, hit the nail on the head pretty well there. Um, You know, prayer in some sense is, kind of like a, I don't know, like a, like a pocketbook hypnosis or something, um, where you could pull it out real quick and it doesn't involve all of this, um, um, pageantry. And I don't mean that in a derogatory term either, but, uh, it's very bare bones and that's, that's what I like about it. Um, you know, because you, you hear a lot today, um, and I'm, I'm a pretty cynical person. Um, so I, uh, I see where people are coming from, but you hear a lot of talk about how, <clears throat> excuse me, how prayer just it's useless. Like, you know, like I've, it's become a trope with comedians. It seems like, like so many comedians have, have a, a quick bit about this, about how like, Hey, if you're going to send me thoughts and prayers, uh, you might as well send me nothing. Cause like, that's what you're doing anyway. And it's like, fair enough, I guess like kind of funny, but it, 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 there's there's a whole lot more going on. Um, and I think it really speaks to without getting metaphysical. this is where the trail of breadcrumbs begins. This is not exactly where it ends. So prayer might go into the these metaphysical layers of of uh, things that go beyond what I' will talk about here. But at the very least, um, there's definite serious, uh, hypnotic relevance here because self-hypnosis or auto-hypnosis, it's, um, not a hokey, uh, new agey thing. Uh, people can take it to those extents, but there is a lot of scientific data about this. There are benefits with using, um, a hypnotist, uh, but you know, the pros and cons of both sides. Um, and it kind of depends on what you're going for in many ways. And for me, you know, I've always been a grassroots DIY kind of person. You know, I was raised like very like raised on punk rock and metal, and that whole punk rock ethic is something that honestly I've very much taken into into my uh, my spirituality. And I, um, I totally understand why people see comfort and even advantage in going to someone like a priest or, or some sort of spiritual authority, and. Uh, you know, I am definitely not opposed to guidance. I appreciate people that have more life experience than me, but I don't have someone like a priest that I regularly go to because uh, I've always seen it as very, um, you know, the spirituality is about self empowerment. Um, and that can be taken uh, to good or bad extents, but. I mean, self, this is obviously, you know, we're talking about self-empowerment. This is to the extent of altruism, you know, things that benefit you and others equally. Um, so, um, because, you know, and to that point also, I, before I forget, I really wanted to drive home that, you know, spirituality at its core is about medicine and therapy and And healing because there's misconceptions and some of those misconceptions are valid because of people like Crowley unfortunately Um, those misconceptions being that there's some sort of dominance and power to gain over uh, other people or secret knowledge that thus it's almost like it gets into this cult leader kind of mentality like you see a lot of people who call themselves occultists or magicians they're all just kind of crabs in a bucket trying to be a bunch of cult leaders with new age book sales. Um, and it's very see-through and, um, I not trying to put myself on a pedestal here or anything, but the people like that, I feel like are, um, in trying to come across so high and mighty, they're unfortunately, um, wearing their, their, they're putting their Achilles heel right out in the open. I mean, these people who are trying to be so high and mighty um, don't realize that the practices they're engaged with are, by their very nature, an active and open admittance that they are flawed and broken and trying to fix themselves. And the people I really respect, you know, the people like Manly Hall and Jung, for example, were the people who... Uh, embrace that approach they said this is what it's all about it's not about the emboldening the ego. it's about um, accepting and admitting uh, how flawed and broken we are uh, as individuals so that we can um, learn to better ourselves because that is the psychological alchemical process that's the real transmutation um, and I mean if you're doing anything else then, you're just, you're just doing a merry-go-round around the ego and you're not going to get anywhere ever. I mean, uh, you know, you'll get some things, but you know, careful what you wish for. Cause I mean, sure. Crowley is a pretty legendary guy. Um, he definitely lived a rock and roll lifestyle, but, uh, um, he, you know, like, like I said, in our last conversation, I mean, what he really amounts to is, um, um, you know, a trust fund brat that, uh, that had a lot of money to spend mm-hmm. climbing mountains and, uh, and, uh, doing sex and drugs and magic around the world. Um, yeah, see, but I don't oh, go ahead. I was going to say that this is,
2: I know we, we've just come on to the subject of Crowley. It just keeps coming up, but I went to a bookstore maybe a year ago and I used to go into the magic occult section and I would talk to people who were there and see what they were reading and see if I could find somebody who might want to just hang out and talk about those things and one time I there was a guy standing there and he was holding some books and I said hey what are you reading or what are you going to get and he said I want to get this book on Crowley and I said what's that what's it about and he said well it's like sex magic I want to try this stuff and Mm see I thought you know that's the reason why these other beautiful more complex yet really simple to understand concepts that speak to the soul are so They're looked upon as if they're so detestable and grotesque because a lot of people, when they start in what we call magic, they want to go like right into demonology and they want to go right into sex magic without even understanding the fundamentals of what some basic symbols mean. They want to jump in and they want to start controlling the whole universe. And that is so beyond incredibly dangerous that it's embarrassing to even it's embarrassing that there are other, that there are people I think uh, who find that to be acceptable that they're, they're not thinking about it at all. And I think they've been just, it's just marketing and advertising. It's just yeah. a way to capitalize on, on people's interest in those things. But it makes me sad.
4: Agreed. Agreed. Um, and yeah, Crowley is just uh he's uh, unfortunately uh, as bright as he was, he is that classic example of um, the kind of, uh, a, 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 he created a, in a snowball effect way a lot of the junk that a lot of people have to sift through these days, as you said. And um, for anyone, um, just real quick plug before we talk about prayer a little more, I'm actually, I suppose, I have Crowley on the mind a little bit extra because I'm doing a conversation, having a conversation with uh Melissa over on the Deprogrammed podcast uh, this Friday, uh, which should be the 19th at 6:30. Uh, PST. And we're actually, um, we're going to have a full blown conversation about, uh, Crowley specifically. So if anyone wants to check that out, um,
2: Melissa, Melissa's great. I've had her on the show and I've been on her show before. I, I think you'll have a lot of fun.
4: Yeah. She's, she's, uh, she is awesome. She's got a great personality and, uh, uh, thorough with her research. You know, she does her due diligence. Um, so in terms of prayer, um, You know, it's so the and and the reason I brought up Crowley again was just to illustrate the point that um, this is this is about therapy and um, healing ourselves. And so, for me, while yes, I do, I will sit down and I'll do what you would call ceremonial magic. For me, it's let's let's break down the mechanics of it a little bit because prayer is all rolled into this as well. Um, It's from the chaos magic perspective, I see all of these things as tools in the toolkit, you know? So whereas some people are very uh, strict and rigorous, um, they follow very, very ancient uh, incantations and very uh, specific sequence of ceremonies and things. Chaos magic, essentially, uh, if anyone... doesn't really fully know what that term means it's um hyp- thermodynamics applied to hypnosis and the realms of hypnosis and what it, what that means in the long run is those where those two intersect is um is metaphysics and um so I'll sit down and you engage with these things that, uh, what they call in psychology priming. Um, it's almost like you're allowing yourself to become incepted like the Chris Nolan movie, um, where you're using candles and incense and maybe some, uh, you know, prayer, um, to prime yourself up some hymns and some sigils, maybe that you're focusing on of the mother or the father. And, and then, um, when you get to a certain point and you you know uh, for me of um i also want to uh cleanse the air um because if nothing else you know you might not necessarily be doing anything physical here but these are all psychological priming techniques uh to get yourself into a space where you're let you're actively letting go of the outside world momentarily and you're retreating into this space that you've this magical circle that you've created where you have uh you have control over, not in a way of, um, uh, manipulation control, but you, it's your safe space and it's, it's an irrevocable safe space. You have no uh, doubt that it's a safe space. And then, and then therefore you, you, you provide an offering. Um, you know, you pour like for me, I pour out, um, or, uh, expel something, get rid of something that means a lot to me. Um, uh, cannabis has been a great medicine for me throughout the years. And so for me, I will, um, I'll grind up some weed and, um, you know, put it in a glass of water or something, you know, just, a, and then I'll just pour that out afterward. It's, it's some sort of sacrifice in the moment of something that, something simple that you cherish that you, to, to really engage you further in the moment. Um, because the act of sacrifice here, um, while, uh, that obviously could be taken to some barbaric extents archetypally is very important because it's ultimately representing a level of self-sacrifice. You know, instead of this, um, do what thou will Crowley mentality of hedonism and the pursuits of the ego are your, your connection to the divine is Crowley's perspective here we we are giving up those things in order to, um, Create, you know, because in that sacrifice, it's um, it's like um, you know, uh, it it, it's an investment in the moment. Uh, like the negative side of that, uh, an example would be when, uh, when cults, uh, when they're recruiting people, they have them come to sermons and they make them pay big money. And part of paying that big money and the reason they can dupe people into paying that big money is because they have goaded and hyped up their expectations and part of the money, you know, you're doubling down, you're putting your money where your mouth is. And now you want to have a good time at that retreat that you are trying to convince your family members and friends isn't a cult, um, because you, you know, you put down the money. So in the same way, like for me, I'm getting rid of some good weed that I could have rolled up into a joint, um, because I'm doubling down. And, and when you get into that space, eventually, you know, after you, you say the hymns and prayers, um, you get to a state of suspended disbelief um, purposefully, practically speaking. And because even Jung himself, you know, uh, as practical and scientific as he was, he even considered the archetypes to be autonomous. Um, So this is kind of up to the, every person's individual belief at this point, whether or not you are engaging with autonomous aspects of your psyche Um, and that's where it ends. Like you're puppeteering things. You're, you're kind of allowing yourself to go into a waking dream state and, and that is for sure what's happening. But there might also be more happening where, uh, when we begin that puppeteering or as you can call the projection process, uh, we might be that might in and of itself to get really heady here be an offering for things to engage us with and by putting out our own perceptions and our uh uh projections of you know for instance the uh the divine mother uh we might actually if done properly um engage with that that piece of the fabric of the the universe that archetypal because what these things are from a chaos theory, from a physics perspective, these are innate forces of nature that have uh, created, that have uh, facilitated or um, – what's the best word to look for? These are forces of nature that are uh, – um, some of the things that humans are unable to ignore and um, oftentimes have no way of fully understanding, especially when you look at ancient history um, – and and that's where you know think metaphors like uh, scientific terms like heuristic come in you know the trial and error approach to things so i think there are many different ways of going about this but what you're ultimately getting to is not a state you're getting into a full blown state of self hypnosis a state where you are engaging you've created this this um this encasement this psychological representation for something to then animate itself um in a in 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 the same way that you you dream this is a waking dream and if you do it properly if you prime yourself properly you will wholeheartedly actively engage with aspects of your psyche that you do not have access to on on a daily conscious level or certainly not as clear of an access to. So is this, um,
2: th- this is the reason that magicians use certain tools that to the outsider, they look like random elements, but to the magician, whether it's the wand or the cup or the sword or the pentacle, these are necessary tools to facilitate what you're describing.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is where I would differ from uh, a, a, like a dogmatic occultist is where someone would say that those things, those props, and I don't say that in a derogatory way, um, but those props and the pageantry are absolutely mandatory. Uh, I, I would say that they are more like um, training wheels, but not even in a derogatory way. It's what suits you. Um, it's really what suits you. And I think that there are ways to have incorporated that priming process, uh, the effect that you get out of using a prop can eventually be incorporated into your mental process to where you don't need that anymore. And um, I've used this comparison before. Um, It was a long time ago, just in like a random YouTube video, someone put it, uh, just gave this quick example and it's meant to be outrageous and and, uh, seem difficult. But theoretically um but, you know it's a thought experiment and theoretically it seems possible and i do stand behind this i think it's a great thought experiment that if you if there were the right preconditions and uh the right pressures um and you know the, a lack of exterior influences and you had just a magic eight ball of chintzy, cheap magic eight ball and you had all those all, all those things lining up, the intention and the preconditions, etc., you could create a magical system um, out of that magic eight ball, something that you got real psychological transmutational alchemical results from, you know, so it it really it it de- it's all about what you are, it's all about what parts of the mind you're engaging with and how successfully you're engaging with them um, and again, to the extent of Therapy, Because if you, uh, you know, we get into demonology a little bit, Um, if you uh, ultimately, um, if you don't approach these things properly and with a sense of self-sacrifice and humility, then things get very Faustian and you become led by the nose by this uh, Mephistopheles version of your shadow. Uh, And that is... I think that even while, um, that actually might lead to some personal gain and benefit for you in the long run, it's very parasitic. And I think it shows that it eats people from the inside out. Um, you know, people, uh, it, um, you really have to, you have to be willing to not only give something up, but again, suspend your state of disbelief a bit. And, uh, there is, and actually a, a great example of the like magical therapy, I guess you could say, um, in a very practical way. And it, it's actually, a, it's kind of a classic, uh, psychological book at this point it has been out for two decades. Uh, it's, uh, the phantoms in the brain by V.S. Ramachandran. And, Uh, Ramachandran is a a neuroscientist that has done a a lot of work in um, regular everyday ailments and things, but also abnormal ailments, things like uh, phantom limb syndrome and a lot of other cognitive, like intense cognitive disorders that often come from um, head trauma and other things. And he also did some work with sleep paralysis. And and so real briefly, how he figured out how to... uh, he stumbled onto a way to actually begin um, mending the phantom pain that people got from their phantom limb syndrome. And it was by creating a very rudimentary mirror box that reflected uh, the image of their intact arm into the place where their missing arm was. So they had the reflection that it made it appear as if they had both their hands again. And by wiggling their arm that was real – but focusing on the reflection, they were able to totally, completely, uh, in a seamless way, trick their brain into experiencing, you know, on a neurological level, the movement of that limb and, and actually, in effect, making the pain go away. Yeah, I've, I've, um,
2: I've heard about that before. we got to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Anthony Tyler, right here on The Secret Teachings. There's more after this, the website. Secret Teachings.info, Anthony's website, Divine, uh, excuse me, DiveMind.net. That's DiveMind.net. The book, Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. More with Anthony right after this on The Fringe FM. You could listen to this.
0: And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but.
1: That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you.
2: The Ides of March is the notorious midpoint of that month associated with the death of Julius Caesar and the settling of debts in ancient Rome. Otherwise, it's a joyous gateway into the spring. To celebrate the coming Equinox, The Secret Teachings is offering a one-year subscription to our show archive, montage archive, all of my digital books, and a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S., all for only $50. If you prefer a monthly subscription only to the archives and digital books, it's also available. Either donate $50 one time for the year or establish reoccurring payments through PayPal on our website at thesecretteachings.info or through the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com. This offer can be used to extend a current subscription and is good around the world. Your support truly keeps us on air five nights a week supporting both The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM.
3: They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. It's like you're all working for the same guy.
2: It's March, the month of the spring equinox. Ostara, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for
1: more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide,
0: it's The Fringe FM.
3: This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash
1: teachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings.
0: I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
2: Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Ryan Gable, your host, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. The music tonight is by White Bat Audio and Secession Studios. You can check them out on YouTube. You're tuned in to The Fringe FM, and you can find The Fringe FM by searching fringe.fm or thefringe.fm. Download the Fringe FM app for free. Check out our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to support the show... And that will allow you to get into the digital copies of my books. But you'll also, in the month of March, when you subscribe, get a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S. You access the archive, all the shows, and the montages at www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to email us, rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com. Our guest tonight, Anthony Tyler. Anthony, do you have an email for listeners to reach out to you?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, all lowercase. Um, just all one word, no no spaces or anything like that. Uh, Divemind667 at gmail.com. Divemind667
2: at gmail.com. Excellent.
4: I didn't mean to cut you
2: off, but we had to take that break. You were talking about that phantom... Uh, the ability to basically help people to recognize through the mirror the 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 phantom arm if they had lost a limb or something to that nature. If you'd like to continue on that,
4: yeah, absolutely. So uh, people were experiencing, and they they did uh, they took steps to uh, account for placebos as well, and it didn't work with everybody, but the vast majority of people were actually experiencing legitimate therapeutic relief with uh, by like exercising their phantom limb by creating the reflection of the limb um and so for me reading that uh, years ago now that screamed instantly to me this whole heuristic like shamanistic mystical approach to therapy um and this is a bit more clinical and you know methodical you know it, it but it's it really is not that far off from um a shaman shaking a stick at someone, and it's really really mind blowing that a person would get such legitimate relief because over time, uh, many people would, um, they would it, it experience lasting effects, and some people would have their phantom limbs go away entirely or shrink, um, and and so th- this was a purely psychological trickery essentially that was creating serious empirical lasting results in people's lives. And, um, when you, when you look at that and you, you see all these priming techniques, um, as ways to essentially creating this magical circle for this, uh, this waking dream state, uh, that allows you to access therapeutic states of consciousness. Um, you're very much creating your own mirror box with which to um, reflect your phantom limbs. So, Is that that why, uh, you know, that, is that, 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 oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, go ahead, Anthony, go ahead.
4: Oh, you know, I was just to, to put a cherry on top of it. Um, I'm surprised at how few people reference that uh, Ramachandran's work to this day because that really very much seems to me to be, a, a textbook example of legitimate um, magical thinking uh, put into therapeutic use.
2: Is that why the mirror is so important in magical practices? I mean, we know about things like Crystallomancy and the crystal ball and black obsidian stone, the black mirror, but mirrors in general are also used in magical practices, whether to summon or to invoke. Uh, some mirrors are made of glass. Some are made of other kinds of metals. Is the mirror always used for that uh, reflection? Is it always symbolic? Is it What exactly is the purpose of the mirror, uh, even beyond what you're saying, uh, in terms of that kind of scientific discovery? Uh, what is the purpose spiritually, if you will?
4: Mm, that's a good question, and uh, I'm sure there are many different ways you could go about that, but um, the the idea of the mirror is... Interesting as well. I mean, it, it, uh, Jung talks about his projection process very often. And um, he, Ramachandran himself, actually, uh, what so much of the book goes into is what he calls the mirror neurons and um, how it's, uh, you know, like a biological component that allows us to um, essentially relate to other human experiences and to uh, to process our... Um, Uh, artwork and other things so it basically allows us the the mirror neurons allow us to contextualize ourselves within our environment um and this is a very legitimate um adaptation process you know uh, if you think about it in terms of allowing us to psychologically grab hold of symbols in a way that we can utilize them you know for the first time ever once people start developing the right aspects of their brains on a very literal evolutionary level they can start to have names uh if if for certain plants and you know you can start to actually develop a cogent memory and and uh and different levels of thought formation instead of trial and error and just hopefully I don't die from trying this plant. And, and, uh, and then it actually speeds up the evolutionary uh, process by a very large degree. And that's why, um, and this plays into the whole archetypes and memetics, um, aspect of uh, symbolism in psychology and its active role as like building blocks and how memes, um, for example are considered to be not just you know funny things on the internet but from the uh as they were first proposed by richard dawkins they were they are literally um symbols akin to uh symbols in the mind akin to genes to the body um and that's certainly not a trivial uh, so it's like like meme magic Yeah. Yeah. That's very much what chaos magic is essentially. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, also, um, we'll get into the mirrors a little bit more as well, but, um, um, the difference between archetypes and memes to really understand the, the science, the psychological aspect to all this, um, is that archetypes are, and. Yes, it is a little convoluted. But if you want to understand the science behind it, you have to look at both of them. And the fact of the matter is archetypes and memes were kind of created. They're both evolutionary psychology, but they were kind of created in different camps. but they're not they're not exactly they're not opposed. Um, um they're just not they just don't often intermingle in the literature. Uh, so an archetype is something that is ingrained. like we talked about, uh, how the forces of nature coalesce with the human experience and uh, create certain output. Uh, like that is an archetype. Like the mother, the father, um, the trickster. These are all components of the human experience. A meme, however, is an expression of those components. A meme specifically is what happens when humans exchange those archetypal symbols between them, and it and it takes on a very literal. Um, Viral, kind of, you know, like the, this so way they call the meme, the mind virus, but that could be taken in good and bad ways. It's just viral is meant to express the nature and rapidity with which these things can grow and, um, et cetera. So, um, mirrors. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there's every reason to, uh, you know, there's, with it's, uh, it's no wonder, I guess you could say that, uh, you could find them so pervasive throughout uh, comparative religion in general, well, talk, especially you, practical uh, ritual magic.
2: If you're talking about like a mind virus and, and, and uh, meme magic and chaos magic, um, I think that a lot of what we consider to be like raw politics and just, you know, your average everyday news story, it's just, you know, typical worldly things. I think a lot of that is based in meme magic. I mean, you watch politicians, titians and others that are literally trained, not just in like mind control techniques and NLP, but you know, their campaign, they use certain symbols to condition the masses in the same way that fast food restaurants use certain symbols and certain colors to induce hunger and to get you to come to their restaurant. Or like, I like, you know, for example, the the emblem of Starbucks, Meliocene, the water goddess uh, right. who brings sailors to their demise and draws them in with her siren sounds, her siren voice. And I read this thing one time that of all the companies in the world, Starbucks is the one company that no matter how hard people try to stop buying products there, they just can't pull themselves away. So there's that magical component within the logo of a business And so whether it's a business or whether it's a a political uh, person, political party, everybody uses magic in some way, shape, or form. They just call it advertising or they call it marketing or they call it, you know, a a, a good um, deed in conversation, like have a nice day. All of that is magic, I think.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. um, And then, you know, there are, the the crystal ball is um we're talking about mirrors and magic uh, is especially fascinating. Not that I've ever used one, but um it it seems very much that the you know what these if you look at it um just from like a a metaphorical perspective or just from a practical perspective, like what is a person getting out of this? The whole point is this sort of meditative absence, um something that you are you are priming yourself. Like I said, it's a twofold process where the priming, whether it's looking into a crystal ball or lighting the incense, etc., um you are um, giving yourself something very direct to focus on. But at the same time, that thing that you are focused on is actively pulling you further inward um, and redirecting your attention uh, away from the outside. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we do that. I mean, there's a reason that, um, we can do these things at all. And it's because these are parts of our everyday life. Um, we just, unless you take the steps to, uh, engage with the parts of your existence in this way, um, you're not going to, you're not going to get the same results, but, but I mean, this is, you know, this is life itself. Like you said, everyone's participating in this, uh, in one way or another. And, uh, this is some interesting food for thought, kind of a left field, almost kind of humorous, but still, uh, kind of a head scratcher. Um, and, in terms of uh, mysticism being utilized today, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, Ryan. Uh, but there, for years now, has been a community of people online that call themselves um, a tulpa mancers. You know, the tulpa being this sort of um, uh, the the eastern word being tulpa, and the western being um, egregor. There, there's a little bit of a difference, but there's a lot of an overlap, and it's this idea of that essentially that the mind. Whether the individual or a collective group of people put enough energy into something and kind of create a third party because like a th- of it, a thought form, exactly, yeah. Um, so there are, and a, so there are a lot of people online today that actively work with this stuff. Um, and interestingly enough, where the history, like the the real origins of it, in terms of people using it in this like free form chaos magic perspective that isn't tethered to some serious disciplined metaphysics and schools of thought is uh people actually started learning in i think it was like reddit forums or maybe it was 4chan or something like that where they they started learning to create tulpas out of the my little pony cartoon characters um, and talking about it with each other online. And, you know, as far as the, uh, there have been like small uh, web documentaries made about it now. And, uh, there have even been some, um, some uh, scientific studies like done from like a sociological perspective on this community of my little pony enthusiasts that have incorporated like this chaos magic where they are creating almost, I I don't mean to sound, um, like crass here or anything but like because I know some people would would uh, roll their eyes at this but it's almost in some sense like they're kind of making some sort of uh my little pony holy guardian angel thing going on and and this brings us to a really curious part of the conversation uh because and it's it's a it's like a half humorous half like almost horrifying perspective or um Question that we have to ask ourselves when we're talking about metaphysics is like how you know, you know i you, i guess one way to put it is like take the plank out of your own eye uh you know before you judge others as the the biblical saying goes because you know a lot of our beliefs sound crazy um or a, yeah to other people and some people's beliefs might sound crazy to us and maybe they are, you know, because certainly some beliefs are crazier than others, I would say. But ultimately, like what I really tried to drive home in our last conversation is what is a person getting out of this? As long as that my little pony Topa is not, you know, putting someone on a, some son of Sam action, you know, telling them to kill their neighbors and things, then and if, if it's just making them feel better and. You know, helping them engage with life a little easier. Then, what is the harm? Right, right. Um, you know, there's yeah. a
2: there's a website too. I, I don't promote it, not for good or bad reasons, but uh, the people that do the Spirit Box podcast and uh, one of the hosts created a website where you can go and I I guess you type in you type in whatever you want to type in, and the website generates a sigil for you. Uh, the The thing about that which has been a little bit concerning for me when, as this trend has developed is that you can find online uh, a number of different books. One of them is pretty popular. It's called like demons for kids or demon, how to invoke demons for children. And it's, it's a book for kids on how to invoke these playful demons. that will help you with your chores and help you with your homework. And it sounds quirky and kind of, you know, fun, I guess in a way, but, To me, that doesn't really sound fun, and I think that there is, or that there are, let's call them for lack of a better word, there are forces that wish to capitalize on internet usage and the the direct access to the youth to corrupt their spirituality or to corrupt their, their purity, if you will, their essence, with things that, although invocation, summoning, prayer, and these types of things aren't necessarily negative by any means. They are approaching innocent children who don't understand you know, the basics of symbols. They're kids that run around and play, and they're trying to get them to play around with things that might be considered uh, sorcery or black magic in a very dark sense, in the same way... That I personally, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I personally have an issue. Doesn't matter anybody's political beliefs, but I have an issue when people are on TikTok trying to hex the president of the United States. I'd have the same issue if people were trying to do it with Joe Biden as I did with people that tried to do it to Donald Trump. And hex is one thing people think, well, that means they're trying to prevent him from doing something bad. But some of these internet, social media, I wouldn't even call them witches. Uh, They wanted to, like, bring harm to people, Mm -hmm. uh, to the president. And I just find this all to be very reprehensible and very dangerous, whether it's sigil websites that you can type in whatever you want or it's TikTok witches. It's something that bothers me. I don't know if you have a take on that, but I'd I'd love to hear it if you do.
4: Yeah, well, it's a really... A re a really great topic to consider. Uh, something I have considered, and why uh, you know, in my personal life, I definitely limit. Um, I I use technology like anybody else. Don't get me wrong, but I try to actively limit how like the extents to which I will use it and what I will use it for, uh, because technology in and of itself is just such a slippery slope, and then you start incorporating you know these kind of metaphysical ideas into it and it can get much slipperier uh in, in on some uh, black mirror levels um and yeah I actually I was um um I was on the spirit box podcast once and um so I um I know uh derog a little bit um and you know a great guy and all um but I you know I would agree with you that there is um um there's there's a certain level of um of there it's it's a bit it can be pretty foreboding um it also magic is a and and magical thinking in and of itself is a strange thing because a uh, part of the discipline involved will you know like it's a good way to how you know if you like you could put it like this if you try to pull these things off as a, as parlor tricks um, or like a Ouija board at a party, you're probably not going to get, you might get some results, but you're probably not going to get very good results, if any. But if you do that with intention, and you go and you set up shop, and you go about this endeavor Ouija board as an example, not that I've ever used one, but, uh, you go about that with the same way you go like into a shift to work. You're like, okay, I'm going to hit all these checkpoints. I got this. I'm going to do, we are getting stuff done right here. Um, and you take it seriously and you also have the right people around that are dedicated in the same way. Something you'll get, you'll get results. Um, so, um, I, uh, yeah, it it really depends on um on how you're approaching things. Like I say, um, and um, let's see, it's oh yeah, that was something else I was gonna bring up because uh, along these same lines, um, and I don't bring it up for people to take seriously, but um, from the, if from an objective contextual perspective, it's really interesting to show like how. Um, how the internet is kind of playing a role in stirring up the archetype, the archetypal imagination in ways that um, are very real world and have real world implications. Like this whole Slenderman thing, you know. It's it's been really strange uh, since I was a teenager watching Slenderman become a silly meme. To becoming legitimate inspiration for for murders across the U.S. and um, okay. and and create this whole whole internet culture and in in the kind of My Little Pony tulpa sense, like Slender Man really has become this uh this this symbol that touches on something that was already archetypally present within the human psyche. So it's not yes. to say that uh, Slender Man is a real thing, but uh, it goes to show you know, that there is a relevance in the way that you approach uh, the symbols and, and uh, what results you are trying to get out of it.
2: Yeah, well, Slender Man in that sense has actually manifested, I think, as a result of that. And it doesn't mean that Slender Man is walking down the road or hiding in the woods. That's a literalism. But figuratively speaking, as a result of the, the famous Wisconsin stabbing of the girl uh, or mm-hmm. in many other cases, like, for example, I, I wrote a book called The Technological Elixir, and it, it's all about artificial intelligence and theology. And I get into at the end of it, the music industry and the reliance on certain types of symbols and archetypes that the music industry uses to promote their message, whatever that might be. And I noticed a trend I noticed that with entertainment and pop culture, you had the trend of Momo with the suicide challenge where you Mm -hmm. killed yourself or hurt others to meet Momo, right? And Momo means devil in Mandarin. Mo means devil MO. And so she was like um, a distorted woman. And there was a lot of, a lot of things that went into Momo, but for time's sake, she was like the female manifestation of that force Slender hmm. Slender Man I saw as kind of like a, a, a male manifestation of that force. And I, I related it also to Eminem, who goes by one of the personas one of the personas known as uh, Slim Shady. And Slim Shady is obviously the slender, the slim shade, the Slim Shady, and <laughs> Slender Man is the the shadow monster like from Stranger Things, right? So there's that.
4: That's a fun point. Absolutely.
2: So then if you combine that together, Anthony and you look at the male and female components of that manifestation. I saw this story in Florida about these girls um, at a school, and they—they they, this was last Halloween or two Halloweens ago—they planned to kill their class. It's really dark stuff. They planned to kill their class, young girls, and like perform an unholy communion, eat like cannibalism and drinking their blood. Whoa. Dude, this was all in the police report. It was incredible. But they wow. said the reason they did it was because they wanted to meet the devil. But there was no mention of Momo or Slender Man. These were just girls that said, we, we just want to kill people and eat them and drink their blood. So it's almost like there is a, a force of evil and destruction, and it manifests as Slender Man. It manifests as Momo, or it just manifests in corrupted youth. And beyond the religious component of God and the devil, I think that there is some underlying force of chaos and what people call evil, which is just L I V E reversed or like love backwards evil. And I think that exists in the world. And I think that if we utilize tools to manifest it knowingly or unknowingly, um, we absolutely will create an environment where those things manifest. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, Jesus reportedly said on the cross, Uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't think the TikTok witches fully know what they're doing. I don't think a lot of the magical practitioners online in the digital world know what they're doing, and others do know what they're doing, and they think it's kind of fun, and they think it's kind of exciting, and I just don't agree with that.
4: Yeah, one of the ultimate problems with the advent of the Internet um, and our communications with it is just the lack of – it forces people to – uh create or to put limits on their usage or you know the ways they go they approach this technology you have to have a lot of self-direction and um, unfortunately a lot of people aren't good at that um and it yeah it things get out of hand really quickly um and you know um Let's think here. Um, do, do, you,
2: do you do you feel that as a result of what I said, do you feel that magic and other related subjects should be preserved and not in an egotistic or uh, an authoritarian or in some hierarchy, but that there's a necessity and, and there's a reason why it takes, sometimes it takes a lifetime, but other times it might take a few decades to really understand what the myth or what the symbol or what the ritual is really intended to do. It, it, if it's not preserved, uh, people will take it and turn a tool for self advancement into a weapon to destroy other people. Does that, I, I think that probably makes a lot of sense, but that's, that's why I, I am in agreement with those who say that there should be certain things that just should, for those of us who know them shouldn't be talked about. That doesn't mean that we're better and you, you know, listeners don't know But there are certain things that shouldn't just be told to the public, you know, unless they go find them for themselves, which they are available if they read the right books.
4: Right. That's a great point. Um, So this is kind of how I feel about that. Uh, And it it doesn't really uh, differ from from your opinion, but to articulate it, because, you know, this is something that I actually had to take into account uh, when I decided to write this book is um. And, you know, this is how black magic in essence started was people developing protocols to get, uh, you know, uh, have a better relationship with divinity. And then what you can ultimately do is just flip that on its head, give it a complete 180, and then you can use that for, for nefarious things. It's It seems to be in this dualistic uh, world experience that we live in. Ah, uh, you know the equal and opposite reaction. Um, you're not going to be able to develop one without the other. Um, because it it it's just a natural byproduct. And, um, I think that um, I think that it's it it's perfectly fine to, um, I'm I'm certainly against uh, like I appreciate disclosure on things, but uh, so active. Uh, like disinformation and things is not something I would be for. But in terms of just um, there's some things that you know p- people talk about, like the the public needs to wake up. And uh, you know, what if they learned all? Every single person knew all these esoteric principles, and so the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people that don't care about them. And even if they you did tell them, they wouldn't remember it or nor would they care to. And I think that in many ways that is the most natural obfuscation is there's always going to be people out there that do not care. Um, and I think they really obfuscate themselves because in the long run, I think, um, trying to, um, trying to keep a, keep the cat in the bag or put a, put a lid on the bottle. It sounds more aggressive, than, uh, than a phrase I would like to use, but you know, just trying to keep things under wraps like that. Um, it, it's kind of a losing battle. I feel like, cause things will eventually get out no matter how long it takes, it may take, uh, hundreds of years, but things will eventually erode the things that once were our institute are our, our, our most cherished institutions. Um, when you cherish something enough, uh, maybe not in your own psyche, but s- certainly in the material world, it would appear that uh, those things inherently become corrupted. You know, our our uh, our ideals in the material world eventually always flip on their heads, and um, some of uh, the most therapeutic material will eventually inevitably inevitably be flipped on its head as well. And I think that the only sure, way yeah. to really combat that in the long run is just honest to god education. On the subjects. Uh, People just need to know, because here's a problem is once people get fed up with Christianity, they think they go to this polar extreme mindset of like, okay, well, um, apparently, evidently, all of the demons that Christians told me were demons, they're the good guys. And therefore, like, what's the harm in letting my kid play with, uh, you know, uh, how to summon demons for children book or whatever? Uh, like, and while I don't subscribe to the classic, um, you know, there are many different names and archetypal characters you can use, uh, uh, like beyond just God and the devil. But um, some sort of malevolent presence is something that I don't think that we can ignore. Um, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a, it's a real thing, um, and I couldn't, from any sort of scientific perspective, speak to what it is. But in the same way that people can experience this inexplicable, like uh, therapeutic process, a process that we can understand, we can see the beginning, we could see where we start, and we could see that the starting point creates an end result, but we don't know all the in between. There's a good chance we'll never know all the in-between, but it can produce such positive transcendental results. It's an equal and opposite reaction. Those, uh, These things can completely rip people apart from the inside out, these, these more malevolent things, um, and I do think they're out there. And on the subject, I think that um, something that I will always debate a a fundamental christian on is they have this weird black and white mentality of like there's only angels and only demons and i think that's so preposterous that if you're going to indulge the metaphysical at all why would there not be gray area there's gray area in everything
2: i think i think that demeans god that means god couldn't have created anything but angels and demons why couldn't have god created some aliens
4: (laughs) right yeah exactly yeah um We've very got very strange. I don't get the dog
2: got on like, that one. We've got like a, a little uh, more than a minute left here, but I, I wanted to tell you that I, I appreciate that explanation, and I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, I feel that you explained that point, uh, better than I did in terms of um being able to express it in a more balanced way. I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I guess what I intended to mean is that I, I wouldn't want to give. Things that took me a lifetime to learn directly to someone who was just starting, not because they're less than me, but because people need to learn things for themselves. But I also do this show and share things that I've learned with people to give them a new perspective. So it's a healthy mix of everything, and it's not black and white. And that's, to me, really what the essence of The Secret Teachings is all about uh, in theme. Obviously, this show's just named after a book, and we cover a lot of different topics Uh, And we talked to people like Anthony Tyler tonight on the broadcast, divemind.net, the book, Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. Anthony, it's been a pleasure. Less than a a minute, about 30 seconds, if you have anything else that you'd like to add uh, and mention the book and the website again,
4: if you'd like. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you got something out of it. Um, You could go to divemind.net. From my website, Um, we're all related content so far. And uh, you can go check out the book Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, Uh, digital, paperback, or hardcover now. Um, And, you know, feel free to get a hold of me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, You can find any related, you know, all all my handles and whatever on my website. Um, But, uh, you know, stay tuned. There's a lot more content coming. It's only a matter of time. It'll be sooner rather than later so Sound. thanks a lot for having me on ryan it was, uh, it was a real genuine pleasure as always
2: you got it my friend we'll have you back Divemind 667 at gmail.com is the email our email rdgable at yahoo.com the website thesecretteachings.info subscribe today to become a member access the archive the montages the digital books all of it uh, my book where i talk about the slender man momo is the technological elixir it's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Anthony Tyler on the broadcast this evening. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you guys on the next broadcast right here on The Fringe FM.